You know that guy who used to run for office in New York, and he'd just say the rent is too damn high? I love that, that guy. guy? I yeah. love that guy. He was a one-issue guy, but it made a hell of a lot of sense. Well, after watching the Democratic debate this week, all I kept thinking in my head was, the debate is too damn long. <laughs> Three hours. You know what? I did a cartoon about this in 2015 during the Republican primary. Yeah. And the Republicans had a three-hour debate. And it felt like a three-hour tour. <laughs> a three-hour tour. Yeah. Because it was so long, there's probably many people who maybe didn't last till near the end. Yours truly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, including <laughs> Phil Hans. But near the end, Phil, don't worry. I've got a couple clips to play for you. Way at the end, Wisconsin came up twice. Twice? Yeah, we're awesome. We're like one of the most important states this election. Yeah. They can talk about us twice. Well, the debate was in Ohio. Yeah. So whenever they wanted to refer to I, the middle America, they said, you're in Ohio. The way they pronounced Ohio was really bugging me. Really? Yeah, I just felt like it was with an accent, like a strange, I've never been there before. I'm going to pronounce it a funny way accent. Do you know how to say Rio, as in Rio, Wisconsin? You mean Rio? Like the city <laughs> in Rio de Janeiro? R10? <laughs> Well, today on Center Stage, Phil, we're going to talk about the Wisconsin moments. Is it Wisconsin or Wisconsin? Wisconsin moments in the Democratic, uh, is this the fourth debate? I don't know. The too many. Who, yeah, too many so to many care. and they're too damn long, but we're going to talk about the Wisconsin moment in the Democratic debate this week. I'm Scott Milford. I'm the editorial page editor with the Wisconsin State Journal. I'm Phil Hands. I'm the editorial cartoonist for the Wisconsin State Journal. And we are half of the Wisconsin State Journal editorial board. The better looking half. the first time that Wisconsin was mentioned very near the end of this debate. This is Minnesota U.S. Senator Amy Klobuchar. You know, this isn't a flyover part of the country to me. The heartland is where I live. And I want to win those states that we lost last time. And I have bold ideas to get us there. But we can't get any of this done on climate change or immigration reform unless they win. And what I have done is win and the only one up here, time and time again, the reddest of red districts, Michelle Bachman's. I read that I won that district three times. Rural districts that border Iowa and North and South Dakota. And I do it by going not just where it's comfortable, but where it's uncomfortable. And that is why I have been in Pennsylvania and in Michigan and in Wisconsin and all over Ohio and in Iowa. Because I think we need to build a blue Democratic wall around those states and Thank make you. Donald Trump pay for it. I had no idea it was so uncomfortable in Wisconsin. That's what she said. I go, I go where it's uncomfortable, like <laughs> Pennsylvania and Wisconsin. Well, I mean, it it's cold. Get, it gets very cold here, Phil. But yeah. isn't Minnesota, I mean, isn't that the same state as Wisconsin if you live on the East Coast? Yeah, what I was surprised by is when she said in Wisconsin, why wasn't there all of a sudden lots of applause? That's right. Well, anyway, doesn't that make us feel good, though, even though it's uncomfortable here that she cares about us and she can win in Wisconsin? I think she can win in Wisconsin. I thought she made a really good point. Of course, this is a point that she's been making a lot. This is the point that all the people that are not on the extreme left of the party are making. <laughs> like Joe Biden, I guess. Uh, to some degree, Pete Buttigieg. Who else would you count as in the moderates? Uh, I think it's Buttigieg and it's Klobuchar and it's Biden 
And maybe it's Booker? Yeah, I guess. I mean, Booker... I'd like Booker to be a moderate. I'm not sure he is. I think Kamala Harris likes to pretend that she's a moderate and a super progressive at the same time. I thought Klobuchar and Buttigieg did well in this debate. I mean, some of the buzz coming out of it, I think the New York Times said... The moderates strike back. Revenge of the moderates. Well, they were a little more aggressive this time, and and the conventional contention among the uh, punditry, they're sensing that Joe Biden is slipping in the polls, and somebody wants to take that sort of moderate, I can win in the general election mantle away from him. They also just might be moderate, too. I mean, that's like, that, that's the thing about Klobuchar. She's always been kind of a moderate. That's why she wins in the reddest districts and in Minnesota. Yeah, right? I mean, that's impressive uh, if she's winning in And Michelle Bachman's, Bachman's basically a lunatic, <laughs> and she can win her district. As the sensible centrists in Wisconsin politics here, uh, Phil, we often highlight the Luger Center and McCourt School of Public Policy at Georgetown University. That's quite a mouthful. Anyway, they have the bipartisan index where they rank everybody in the House of Representatives and in the Senate based on how often they sponsor bills with a member of the other party. They've decided that's a good measure, about as close as you can get, for a meaningful gauge of how well do they work across the aisle to get things done, Mm -hmm. which is the argument this week in the debate that Biden was making. Biden said, I'm the only guy that's got anything big done. That's what he says. But he did highlight some pretty big things, like Obamacare yeah, and banning assault weapons, albeit That's, a long time ago. And defense of women against violence. Yeah, I mean, he, he could point to some things. Uh, this year, in this, this past summer, uh, the Luger Center, what they did this time is they ranked 250 senators who uh, served at least 10 months between 1993 and 2018. So this is like a sweeping look at all of our U.S. senators. So out of 250 senators, of those many U.S. senators who are running for president right now, Joe Biden ranked the highest. He ranked 47th out of 250. Okay. He probably had the advantage of he's been in the Senate so long that he goes back to the era where they actually did work more together. Well, he goes back to the era, too, when Republicans some of the like some yeah. of the Republicans were easier to work with than the racist Democrats and the, <laughs> yeah. the and the Democratic Party. He might be an outlier for that reason, just because of the data goes so far back for him. But nonetheless, that shows that he's cooperates across the aisle, and maybe that's why Wisconsin, a purple state, would be more likely to support him. Uh, Klobuchar was the next highest, and you're probably not going to be surprised by that. She ranked 78th out of 250. Then, out of all the rest of them, they were all in the bottom half. Okay, yeah. So you had Elizabeth Warren, 195th out of 250. And then you had Cory Booker, who was 214th. And then, way back, this surprised me, Kamala Harris, 246th. Out of how many? 250. That's not great. Over like the last... Three decades of senators. Wow. She's like the least cooperative. I didn't, I definitely did not suspect that. Play, plays least well with others. If anything, I thought maybe she was a little bit moderate, you know, because the left often will harpoon her for her tough on crime stuff. Yeah. When she was a prosecutor. But what is Klobuchar's problem? The last Marquette poll, she had a whole 1% of people who said they were going to vote in the Democratic primary and who were registered to vote, 1% of those people 
favored Amy Klobuchar. I think it's turning, though. I I, I, yeah. th- I think the, the Klobuchar train has left the station. <laughs> she does have cred in terms of winning in the Midwest. What the other side would come back at is, well, you're not firing up the base, though. But I don't know. She had her moments where she, I, she seems like she could fire him up if she wanted to. Maybe she fires up the moderate base? Is there a yeah. moderate base? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I got all way, the way to moderate base last night. By the way, <laughs> Pete Buttigieg in that poll in August, he was at 6% at the time. Biden was way up at 28%. Then you had Sanders at 20 and Elizabeth Warren at 17. I'd and, imagine she's higher than that now. Yeah, and Kamala she's, Harris she's, was at 3. Yeah, and, and Kamala Harris's campaign hasn't really done much. After the first debate, the, she was the one who was supposed to be taking off and then didn't really take off, and Biden kind of still sat there in the lead. But yeah, Warren, obviously, in this debate was the one people were going after. Yeah. And so presumably she's the uh, front runner, although technically in the national polling, Biden was still ahead. I'm almost ready to write Biden off. I think this whole Ukraine story is is hurting him. Even if there's nothing wrong there, it sort of looks fishy when your son's working for foreign, making, making tons of money off your name. Phil, that is incredibly offensive what you just said, according to Cory Booker. Did you, <laughs> did you hear that part where he was offended that the question was even asked? Oh, offended, offended, yeah. That Biden even has to defend having his son make money off his name in a country where Biden controls a lot of uh, the U.S. policy. How dare we ask that question? <laughs> there is no evidence that they broke any laws or they did anything wrong, and they're not profiting off their leadership any more than the Trumps are. Obviously, you had to ask that question in the debate, yeah. Mr. Booker. I wouldn't hold up Donald Trump as like this example of moral virtue either. No. Joe Biden's debate performances are just pathetic. I mean, he's just bad on stage. He doesn't inspire confidence. He misspeaks more than I do during this podcast. You know, it's it's just, it's not... Well, he's better than Tony Evers, and Evers won. <sighs> what does that mean, Scott? <laughs> I thought Joe Biden was a little bit better. He had that, he still got to have the last word at the end, and he had that sort of rousing, we are the United States of America. We have to unite the country, because folks, it's time we stop walking around with our heads down. We are better positioned than any country in the world to own the 21st century. So for God's sake, get up. Get up and remember, this is the United States of America. There's nothing, nothing we've been unable to do when we decide we're going to do it. Nothing at all. Period. It's slightly inspiring. (laughs) I thought he was better than past debates. That's all I'm saying. I've always not liked Joe Biden. You know, I've just something about Joe Biden is always just sort of like he just reeks of like Washington establishment politician. He has a swampiness to him. And I've never just I've just never found him like inspiring yeah. or something that's that's like different or special. Classic He's, old school politician. Yeah, and I just don't find that very appealing. Who has served forever, literally forever. forever. <laughs> Let's go to the second Wisconsin moment in this debate. And it's by my guy, Andrew Yang, right? Yeah. Are you a Yang? Yang? Or what do they call the him? The Yang Gang. The Yang Gang. You're a Yang Ganger? I'm not a the Yang Gang. But I think it's kind Is of- Is that offensive, Yang Ganger? No, that's what- like, Yang Ganger. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, it is slightly offensive. Yeah. Ouch, sorry. The context of this is it came shortly after Amy Klobuchar had said Wisconsin. Uh, but it came on a question, the last question, which not surprisingly I loved, which was tell us about your most surprising friendship. Okay. And it was sort of based on this ridiculous controversy over uh, Ellen was getting grief from the left because, oh, my God, she actually like – 
had a civil conversation with George Bush. Perish the thought. W at a ball game. God. And well, she was a Packer fan too, so. Yeah, and she has that going for her too. I just can't believe people get worked up about. Well, some, you know, you're some, civil to a former president who happens to be a really nice guy. I mean, okay, he started a war we shouldn't have got into, and I understand there's consequences to that. But gee whiz, every president screws something up. You know, we we forget that Trump is so abhorrent yeah. and despicable. We forget that the left used to we we <laughs> they used to hate every Republican that much. You know. <laughs> There is a whole, but this is a new low, Phil, just like some of your cartoons. It's a new low with Trump. I'd always wanted us to, like, I was, after Trump lost the election in 2016, which I thought he was going to do, I always wanted us to write this editorial. So, like, okay, Wisconsin or liberals out there, this is what a horrible dictator actually looks like. Not, let's not pretend that John McCain and Mitt Romney and George W. Bush were all that bad. Yeah. By comparison, they were great. We digress. Here's how Mr. Yang. Answer the question with a little shout out to the Badger State. Here we go. The truth is that what happened to the 4 million manufacturing workers here in Ohio and Michigan and Pennsylvania and Wisconsin and Iowa did not care about our political party. The fourth industrial revolution is now migrating from manufacturing workers to retail, call centers, transportation, as well as to white collar workers like attorneys, pharmacists and radiologists. It does not care about our party. Donald Trump had a set of solutions in 2016. What did he say? He said, we're going to build a wall. We're going to turn the clock back. We're going to bring the old jobs back. America, we have to do the opposite of all of these things. We have to turn the clock forward. We have to accelerate our economy and society as quickly as possible. We have to evolve in the way we think about ourselves and our work and our value. It is not left. It is not right. It is forward. And that is where we must take the country in 2020. I feel like Andrew Yang kind of sounds a little bit like Kermit the Frog when he talks. (laughs) So he did a nice job, I thought, in this debate of countering Senator Warren when she refused to acknowledge that it wasn't just terrible trade deals that cost some jobs, that it was also automation. And she refused to say the word automation. I think Andrew Yang probably has done the best at explaining the issues facing America's economy of any candidate who's running out there. Mm -hmm. I think he has a real finger on the pulse of why America voted for Trump in 2016 and understanding the economic changes and shifts this country's going through. And I think he's got the, I think he's identified the right culprit, which is automation. The left wants to continue to blame trade policies yeah. which really just enrich all of us and, and reduce the price of goods for everybody. It sort of dates back to their old union days. But attacking trade policies is, isn't going to do anything to change the economy that we have right now. It's certainly not going to stop things from becoming more and more automated. No. I mean, the one bright spot is just as things are becoming more and more automated, we happen to be running into, particularly in places like Wisconsin and Ohio, <laughs> We have worker shortages. So those things actually kind of tie together nicely. But I like, I really liked his phrase here about how Trump's looking back and we need to go forward. I thought uh, Buttigieg had a pretty good debate. Um, I thought he had a really strong debate, actually. I think he stood up there and sounded like, he he sounded presidential. Yeah. He sounded reasonable, rational. And he kind of had the moment of the debate pressing Warren to admit that her Medicare for all would increase people's taxes. Because it will. Yeah, it will still it could save a lot of people money overall because they wouldn't be paying all these fees for health care. But your taxes 
will go up. And Bernie says, yes, that's true. And she refused to say that multiple times. And Buttigieg came in and basically said, this is why people don't like the Washington politicians. They can't answer a simple yes, no question. That's right. And he kind of scored that point. And it stuck, I think, with people. My favorite moment of the debate, overall, the, the, the line that I look back on and I found the most inspirational came from Pete Buttigieg. It's where he's talking about how we can reform immigration, but we don't have to legalize, we don't have to decriminalize the border. We can provide oh, yeah. health care for, for everybody who wants it. We don't have to raise everybody's taxes. We can provide education for poor and middle class people without paying for the rich. Yeah. You know, I thought that was like... This is what moderation is all about. We're being offered a false choice. I don't agree with the vice president that Trump is an aberration. I don't agree that there's any such thing as back to normal. Because here in the industrial Midwest, definitely where I live, normal didn't work. That's part of how we got here. That's part of how a guy like Donald Trump managed to get within cheating distance of the Oval Office in the first place. But I also don't agree with Senator Warren that the only way forward is infinite partisan combat. Yes, we have to fight. Absolutely, we have to fight for the big changes at hand, but it's going to take more than fighting. Once again, I want to take you back to that day after Trump has stopped being president. Think about what the president can do to unify a new American majority for some of the boldest things we've attempted in my lifetime. Medicare for all who want it. Actually getting something done on immigration for the first time since the 80s. An assault weapons ban, which would be a huge deal. Making college free for low and middle income students. Yet there are some here on this stage who say it doesn't count unless we go even further. Free college for low and middle income students isn't good enough unless we're also paying for the children of billionaires. Immigration reform isn't enough unless we also decriminalize border crossings. We have an opportunity to do the biggest Thank things you, we've done in my lifetime. I did not say back to normal. Together. Thank you, Mayor. Senator now, Warren's response was, oh, everybody, you know, wants to nibble around the edges, but I'm actually going to do something big. I thought Klobuchar had a pretty good response to that, uh, as did a lot of them, which is just because it's not her idea doesn't mean that it's not something big or not something that is important and it's probably more likely to get done. Yeah. I think this debate will go back as sort of the uh, as the moderate strike back, mm -hmm. but that's because the front runner is on the extreme left. Earlier debates were sort of people on the yeah. left fighting at Biden. Yeah. But now Biden's not the front runner anymore. The person in the middle of the stage is Elizabeth Warren. And that's why we're going to have some more rising of the moderates on the sides. And maybe yep. one of these, maybe Buttigieg or Klobuchar, maybe they can start to dig into. I think both Buttigieg and Klobuchar are probably better candidates than Biden. Mm -hmm. I would definitely prefer to see them on the, at the end of the day than Biden. Yeah, I'm still not counting out Biden, but. At the, I'm and not that, counting him out either. Yeah. I just don't like him. Well, I don't think most people would ha have him as their favorite. It's just they think that he'll get elected. But at the same time— That's well, how he got stuck with John Kerry, too. <laughs> well, I'm not a fan of Elizabeth Warren. I have to say, other than that point where she wouldn't just say, yes, taxes will go up, but you'll save money overall. Other than that, and, and setting aside all the things I don't like about her, she did a pretty good job, I thought, at the debate in being the front runner defending herself and pushing her point. She is I, I I find her impressive just as a as a as a force up there. Like yeah. she can she can she can deflect barbs. She can you know she can walk and chew gum at the same time, which so many politicians cannot actually do, believe it or not. She seems like she's pretty sharp. I respect I respect her intelligence and her her fierceness, I think. And some people want to see that fierceness turned loose on Trump. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure that's the best strategy. But that's what I think a lot on the left want. Yeah, I mean, and why I, she's surging. Can you imagine a debate with a 
gay mayor from a small Midwestern town who's a veteran standing up to Trump. That, to me, sounds like a winning combination. But I don't know. He's so reasonable that we like him. <laughs> but can reasonableness win? He's really inexperienced, too. But he so is. is Trump. I mean, yeah. but at least he's smart. Trump? No, Buttigieg. <laughs> Right. Not Trump. My favorite part of the debate. Your favorite. You got part. to say your favorite part. My favorite. Is your part, part silly? Is it? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's not silly. It it saved us a fourth hour, Phil. <laughs> this debate would have been a fourth hour if not for my favorite part of the debate. My favorite part of the debate was the very beginning when Anderson Cooper said, because this debate is already going to be three hours, we are skipping the opening statements. (laughs) I was just like, wow, I can actually get through this debate now. That was a good part of the debate. Yeah. Madison's very own Power Pop Trio Tube Tester plays our theme music. To support local journalists, including more than 40 in the Wisconsin State Journal's newsroom, plus additional writers and reporters and editors across the region, go to madison.com slash subscribe now. You can get digital access to all of our publications for just $5 a month, and right now you can get the first month for just 99 cents. That's at madison.com slash subscribe now.